Audio is the best and can do every story the best way. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Catalina Albanu and today we'll be discussing what makes a good audio story. For all those of you who have been thinking about getting into podcasting or have recently started experimenting with audio. I sat down with writer and audio producer Pat Walters after his talk at the Power of Storytelling conference to get some insights into how he got started with radio. Pat started his podcasting career at Radiolab, then moved on to podcasting company Gimlet Media and is now senior editor of special projects at Radiolab. He has been working with audio for about seven years, having started with a freelance project for Radiolab. He says most stories can make a great audio project. I do think audio is a really flexible medium, and you can, you can do a lot with it. Audio really requires like a central character or a small group of central characters. It requires like stuff to be happening. Like It's pretty action-driven. If you have an audio story where um, there isn't forward momentum, it can really, really lag, which is true of print too. But I mean, I think that there's a lot... There are many articles I read in print that include information that I just want as a, you know, a citizen that would be harder to consume in audio. So I think like data, statistics, a lot of visual things that like I want to see, you know, a graph or a chart or an image uh, or a video. I just really want to see the thing that works better not in audio. If most stories are suited to audio, do we then make a distinction between a radio story and one for a podcast? Most journalists with a history in radio still refer to their work as radio stories regardless of whether they are technically part of a podcast today. The main advantage of a podcast over traditional radio is that a well-documented and highly produced story is available to listen for longer, as you can find it and play it on demand. Podcasting lets you pour all of that attention into into a thing that then people can listen to whenever they want to. So the first thing is that it's on demand. People can listen to it again and again if they want to, or years later. You know, we, we are constantly getting new listeners uh, to Radio Lab who go back into the archives. And, uh, and then the other thing people can do is, sh- is share it, you know, which, which is also an amazing thing that like now seems... Uh, kind of second nature to those of us who listen to a lot of podcasts but you know for a long time before podcasting you couldn't like send someone a a radio story that you liked you could could say like go listen to this american life it's on at 9 p.m on sundays but like people aren't going to get to listen to the thing that that you got excited about so that's also a really exciting thing that's different about podcasting at first pad wanted to be a literature professor but realized the job would require many hours spent in the library and he'd rather spend his time talking to people. He then moved to print journalism and eventually pitched a few stories to Radiolab after meeting some of the team and finding out what kinds of topics they were looking for at the time. As any freelancer would know, it took several pitches to get an idea accepted. And I found this story about this guy who had terrible allergies, nothing was working, and he uh, read about some new science suggesting that people who have intestinal parasites are way less likely to have allergies, and he decided he wanted intestinal parasites. Called a bunch of doctors and scientists, asked them to give him intestinal parasites, all of them said no, or like, you can list in our double-blind study where half the people get parasites, half the people don't, 
and he was like, that's not what I want. I definitely want a parasite. So he went to Africa and um, spent a few weeks stomping around in latrines until he got his own hookworms and then claims that his allergies were healed. And uh, it was a great story because it was like, it's a person doing a dramatic thing. Uh, some people would say a, a kind of reckless thing, but also it was connected to this very real science that was having, it was, it was about to become mainstream. And, and now the idea of like the way your microbiome and this, this stuff, whether it's uh, bacteria or parasites that's in your intestines, the way that that affects your health is, is like a very, a very big thing that people talk about. So I freelanced that story for Radiolab, and um, I didn't really do any of the radio parts. I did the interviews, they were mostly studio interviews, and the Radiolab staff edited it all together and, and really helped me a lot with the just turning it into a radio story. Uh, I just did the reporting, but it was so fun. And, uh, and suddenly, like, doing radio things felt sort of possible. And not long after that, they opened a production assistant job, and uh, I applied, and I got it mainly because of timing, like the timing it just worked out perfectly where, you know, they needed an entry-level person. I had just spent six months uh, doing the story for them and, you know, showed them that I could, I could report and research and, um, and book interviews and, and, uh, and they hired me and I moved to New York and I learned radio at Radiolab. And just just from the from the ground up, you know, I, I had some reporting and writing experience under my belt, but I knew nothing about audio interviewing or audio editing and um, I never touched Pro Tools. I, I did my job application editing test on Audacity, which is a free program uh, that's still so so good free option for people who are just getting started. And uh, yeah, suddenly I was becoming a radio person. Pat says every story is a challenge as you try to make it the best it can be. But one story stood out as somewhat more difficult than others, and while you may expect most challenges to be related to equipment or getting to know the editing software, it's still the interview that drives the story. One interview with the creator of the Heimlich maneuver proved memorable. The story ended up being great, I think, but it was very challenging to edit because he just wasn't that interested in like reflecting on his life in a new way, which... Maybe I should have anticipated. He was 93 or something. Um, and uh, and I didn't really do much of a pre-interview with him. So I think we still would have done the story, even if I had pre-interviewed him and I had known that out of the gate. But sometimes, um, you know, in radio, your interview subjects really, like, guide the story, you know. And so um, anytime you're doing a radio story, like, you, you want to think really hard about who you're interviewing and... Um, you know, how they talk and how it's going to be to edit them and uh, what kind of story they're, they're trying to tell. That one ended up being difficult. And that was a, that was a relatively early one at Radiolab, so I, I learned a lot through that one. Pat didn't listen too much to the radio before he started working in journalism. So the beginning of his career with audio was full of experimentation and boundary pushing about the possibilities of the medium. I think that as a listener, I often thought that radio was just like like a magazine story but on audio and it's a totally different thing so I, I think I pretty quickly got an appreciation for how different it is how much time it takes but also the the unique capabilities of it you know the, the, the way that hearing someone tell their story as opposed to uh, seeing it written down can really connect people to to someone more deeply being a radio lab like I learned quickly the 
possibilities around music and sound design and the ways that those can help you um, tell stories, particularly stories that happened a long time ago. So a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I worked on in the early days at Radiolab was somewhat historical. So I did a story about this man who accidentally cut down the world's oldest tree. And uh, he was dead, and the story happened quite some time ago. And Robert and I used uh, a bunch of you know, music and sound design to try to bring those moments to life. You know, so when he's, he was like drilling into this tree, you like hear the creaking of his drill into the tree. And, um, I did a story about a woman who became obsessed with, uh, taking a giant lobster that she found in the supermarket and returning it to the sea because she felt like he was trapped there in the supermarket. And that was another one where I like recreate the sound of the supermarket. We recreate the sound of her going out in a boat and dropping the lobster in the ocean. And it was all based on like, you know, a handful of phone calls with her. And in a way those are kind of silly stories, but there were these stories that I think revealed some like bigger truths about like the way we interact with nature and like the strange things that we do as humans when we start to have feelings about things and doing them in audio, like really brought them to life in a way that I don't think it would have happened in, in print. If you'd like to get started with podcasting, there are a variety of free tools available to record and edit your interviews, including many apps for your phone, so you don't need any expensive equipment. You can also join workshops or follow your favorite podcasters for tips and insights into their work. And check out journalism.co.uk for additional how-tos or training opportunities. Uh-huh.